wonderful show is Keeping up with the Joneses Mrs. Jones Mr. Jones Episode 80 Can't believe it What do you have to say for yourself? I'm shocked I really thought when you uh, suggested doing this That we would run out of things to say by episode 10 <laughs> <laughs> So I'm I'm surprised Here we are, still here I love it It's very fun I also love it because this was an amazing week So we've got lots to talk about yeah, I, I actually ran into somebody in the grocery store today who just listened to our podcast for the first time, and I, he goes to Gray Center, and he said, you know, how many have you done? And I said, we're actually going to record number 80 today. And he said, do you guys like plan out all of your banter and your jokes and stuff, or is oh, it yes. as natural as it sounds? And I was like, I mean, no, we just kind of sit down and talk and then this is the magic that happens all the time it's, it's a non-stop <laughs> magic factory at the jones household yeah welcome to the magic factory we had a fantastic week this week we did but honestly it was just even reviewing this week i was filled with so much joy it was a great week part of that was we had our dear friend Artie kendall come in we did and he's lovely he is hysterical he's so funny well he is hysterical, but Louise is what makes it even more funnier because yeah. she is relentless in her joyful abuse of her husband. It's true. And her facial expressions <laughs> and her heckling. And I keep forgetting, though they're American, they lived in Britain longer than I did. Yes. And but they so, didn't acquire an accent. No. Well, she can put on an accent. Yes, yeah, she can. But they've got very British sense of humor. Yes, they do. Which yeah. makes it tremendous fun. Mm-hmm. And so Artie was with us speaking uh, to our second years, and then we got to take him out to the Loveless Cafe. Which he loves the Loveless. I've never seen a theologian happier than Artie at the Loveless Cafe. Fried chicken and biscuits, that's all it takes to make a theologian happy. This particular theologian. <laughs> and he just got back from Singapore and was about to leave for China. Yeah. And he kind of sandwiched us in, in the middle, which was very kind. But he had to go see a doctor. He had a, you know, he wasn't feeling fantastic. And the doctor said, look, you're fine, but you're jet lagged out of your tree. You've just come back from Singapore and in two days you leave for, uh, for China. So he couldn't come back the second day because he was ordered to rest. So I got to fulfill one of my lifelong dreams. Yes, you did. And what was that, darling? I was R.T. Kendall's understudy. Wow. I'm not sure that was an agreement that we had. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm not sure I can put that on my resume yet. Right, but right. RT, bless him, emailed Monday night and just said, I am so sorry. Love you guys to pieces. I just can't come in tomorrow. And so I went to my treasury of RT Kendall understanding theology books. Yes. And very quickly, using his teaching notes, prepared. Yep. On the joyous topic of hell. Hell. Yeah. We talked about hell. We talked about universalism. Annihilism. Annihilism. It was just a barrel of fun, let it me tell you. It was actually super interesting. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I really liked it. You spoke at Emanate Monday night on a fascinating topic. Tell us about it. I did. Um, well, I was, I was, I can't really remember what I spoke on. I must be getting old. Um, I do remember. <laughs> Don't curse yourself. <laughs> I must need more coffee. Um, I do remember uh, at the end just sort of talking about, you know, you can go into the Christmas season thinking about yourself and all the things that you wish that Christmas looked like and it doesn't and all that kind of stuff. Or you can go in and think about the fact that this is about Jesus. Right. And if every day we could just wake up and go, hey, Lord, 
Give me an opportunity today to love somebody well, highlight somebody to me that I could love well. And whether that looks like buying a stranger a coffee or writing a friend a note or, you know, whatever, but highlight somebody to me so that this season can be a season of being thankful and being focused on the one that this season is about rather than, you know, what you wish life looked like by now right. or whatever. Yeah. That sounds amazing. I'm sorry I missed it. I was preparing a talk on annihilism. <laughs> you were, and w- you did a wonderful job. Thank you. I would have much preferred to have listened to you preach. So oh, that was thanks. that was Monday, Tuesday. It just flew by. Wednesday was a very special day. Why? Um, because it was Wednesday, and every Wednesday is special. <laughs> no, because all our meetings got cancelled. They did. So we got to freestyle and have a catch-up day, which I loved. Yeah, but, it was really good. And then Thursday, all our meetings came back. <laughs> but the fun part was we had our staff Christmas party. We did. All of Grace Center staff got together at some friend's house, and we had a riot of a time. We did. It was it was a very, very fun party, and the food was fantastic. And I'm not usually one for large gatherings, as a lot of you know, but I had a tremendous, I thoroughly enjoyed every part of it. That's so good. It was excellent. Mm-hmm. I employed some of the brain science teaching that I'd been teaching on the week before. Oh. Well, basically. Like you used your brain science understanding on people? Uh, on myself. Oh. Because your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions are all interlinked. So if you change one of them, you change the other two. Right. Uh, anyway, I had a tremendous time. Absolutely glorious so time. Cool. Loved it. I, uh, I earlier that day on Thursday, I took MJ for a date. Which can only mean one thing. Donuts. Well, that's what the three-year-old has linked yeah. in his cognitive map. A date is a donut. Yeah. I, I went and saw Shannon in the morning and she straightened my hair for me. And as soon as I got home, he said, Mommy, you look pretty. You take me on a date. That boy's got all the lingo. Yeah. He's a smooth operator. So you took him out. You had donuts. <laughs> yeah. Well, I said, where do you want to go? And he's like, uh, to the factory for donuts. <laughs> I was like, well, duh. So I went over and uh, I got to uh, preemptively try a new drink that Honest Roasters has just come out with. With eggnog. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, the following day, Friday, this weekend has really been a weekend of beta testing new food. Yes, but I wanted to tell them about the Ranger. Oh, go on. So we're in the car, and I said to MJ, you know, what song do you want to listen to? And he said, Mommy, we listened to this song about the Ranger. And I was like, gosh, what song is that? You know, so I said, well, can you tell me a little bit more about the song? And he's like, the Ranger song, mommy, the Ranger. And I was like, okay, baby, but who else is in the song? Like, is it about something? And he said, my favorite Lord Jesus and the Ranger. And I was like, Holy Spirit, I need help. I have no idea what he's talking about. And I came up with a way in a manger, <laughs> which is what he wanted. And it's Faith Hill's version. Yes. And it's only that version. Only Faith Hill's version. If the only one he will listen to. Any other version, he throws a hissy fit. Yeah, but he loves it and he just wants you to play it over mm-hmm. and over again. So, uh, and then he said to me when we got home, uh, he was being so cute. I turned around and you know just was having a little chat with him before I got him out of the car. And he said, Mommy, you look so pretty. I was like, thank you, baby. And he goes, Mommy, if I see a ranger... I'm going to look inside, and if Jesus is in there, I'm going to climb in so I can be right next to him. Oh, my gosh. It's like, you're so adorable. I said, that sounds like a good plan. It was very cute. Moment of silence for adorable child comment. Yes. 
Back to food and beta testing. Back to food, baby. Friday, we got to hang out with our new friend, Michaela, who normally listens to our podcast all the way in Norway. Yes. But finds herself in the US for a couple of weeks. Yes. And so she's a good friend of Josh and Sarah Parsons. So we hung out on Friday morning. Yeah. I think mentally, she was checking off her own Keeping Up With The Joneses meal plan. Yeah, because we mentioned so many different things and she's like, I'm all the way over in Norway and you keep talking about donuts and acai bowls. But she got to experience a lot. We went to Five Daughters. Now, I'm not sure if we've actually mentioned that Five Daughters now has a store. If we haven't, that is, we're terribly, terribly sorry. sorry. We don't, we don't know. We're not good friends if we haven't told you. We're not doing a good job at public (laughs) service announcement, but Five Daughters has opened a store in the factory. Yeah. And they do way more than just donuts. In particular, we have a good friend called David Molnar. Yes. And they have named a breakfast sandwich after David Molnar. And it's so good. Which, before we talk about how good it is, what does one have to do to get a confectionery item named after themselves? I don't know, but I know that that's now one of your goals, isn't it, darling? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely is. What would you like to be called? The Jones? <laughs> it's not highly imaginative, right. but I'm going to go with it. Anyway, back to the Molnar. Mm-hmm. which is a croissant. I can't believe I say a croissant. A croissant, which is freshly baked, yes. cut in half, yes. and layered with bacon, egg, and cheddar cheese. And then, you know, obviously toasted, served warm. It's so good. But I heard a rumor, I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to say this on air, but I heard a rumor they were experimenting with the idea of doing Eggs Benedict. Yes. So I pushed my luck, asked for the favor of the Lord to be upon me, and what do you know? They made us an Eggs Benedict Molnar. Yes. It was exceptional. It really was amazing. I think my eyes have seen the glory. Oh, dear. (laughs) That's not good because I can't make hollandaise. You know what? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. No, I have tried several times and I can cook most things that I try and cook, but I, I I can't do the hollandaise. You know what? If I can get a confectionery item named after me, you can make hollandaise. <laughs> well, alrighty then. That, let, Solved. Let that be our goal. <laughs> so yeah, we we discovered the Molnar with Eggs Benedict. Then we had an acai bowl. And then we went to Burger Up. It was just a fantastic food Friday. But then they, you know, because we were sitting in the factory, they kept bringing us out different things to oh, try. I just love that. That's it why all my so meetings good. are at the factory. I know. It's like drive-by blessings of baked goods. It's also why I'm gaining weight hand over fist. I'm going to have to stop being at the factory. <laughs> Never. Never. Friday night, you did the M&A social, went to Home Alone. Yes. I rather predictably stayed home alone. <laughs> yeah. No, it was great. It. Uh, you were supposed to wear an ugly sweater. If you wanted eggnog. And uh, I decided that actually I'd rather pay for the eggnog than pay for an ugly sweater that I didn't want. That's very producer-like of you. And then in the end, I got free eggnog anyway. Mm, There you go. And I didn't have to wear an ugly sweater. But there were some fantastic sweaters present. You know what? We're already 15 minutes into this. Yes. And we're only on Friday. Oh, no. That's how action-packed our week was. Oh, it was. Yeah, it was fun. Saturday, I went bike shopping. With Abigail. Yes. I'm toying with the idea of getting a bike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the problem with that is I'm trying to find a way I can incorporate exercise into my my weekly routine. Yes. And I find it very difficult to do exercise for the sake of exercise. You need it to be fun. No, I, I'm never going to find it fun. I need it to be functional. So 
I've tried running, but I end up where I started. So I'm like, what was the point of that? <laughs> okay. The point is that it's good for your body. It doesn't feel good. <laughs> okay, okay. So I'm thinking, what if I tried cycling to work? Okay. Like it's a good 10 miles. I may die. You may die. Well, <laughs> I realize that there's a cycle path all the way from our house to our work. Every time you say psychopath, I keep thinking you're saying psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> I hope there's not a psychopath. <laughs> for 10 from. miles all the way to our work. That would motivate me to battle faster, mind you. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, the jury's out on whether I am actually going to get a bike or not. But the, the more important thing is Abigail, our oldest daughter, really likes riding her bike. Yes. And she's now got quite good at it. Yeah. But she wants me to come with her and I'm fed up running along beside her. So I'm thinking, I'm going to have to get but a bike that's to keep up with her. If you ran along beside her, there's a reason you're doing that. Yeah, but like, <laughs> my milkshake just falls the whole time. Yeah, and it's so hard to chew your chocolate. I understand. <laughs> Anyway, that was fun. Saturday night, we went up to Nashville and ate at Adele's. Oh, I love that place. Yeah. So good. Got to see our old friends, Graham and Libby. Yeah. Which was very sweet. And then today, church, Pastor Jeff's back. Oh, so good. Oh, so, I love having a pastor like Pastor Jeff. Yeah. We opened with amazing worship from Jesse Early and, you know, the Grace Center worship team, which was amazing. And then Jeff got up and told a few stories about his time in China. And then... He just said, you know what, I don't really want to move on. I just want to wait in the presence of God. So that's what we did. And then we got to pray for everybody. Yeah. And I was like, I love that our church will do that. It was so good. He, he said something, which I tweeted out because I thought it was so profound. But he said this, a danger as a pastor is that I can plan where we are going at the risk of missing where he is. So he's <laughs> like, look, I've got a message prepared, but I don't really feel the anointing on the message. I feel like the anointing is where we are right now. So wh why move on? Right. I don't know too many pastors who would halt a service. Yeah. I mean, it, it was very good. I love the way he prioritizes following the Holy Spirit. That's actually one of the defining characteristics of Jeff Dollar. Yeah. Holy Spirit first, at the expense of everything. Yes. And I love that. Yeah. Gosh. So good. That's what made us actually want to move countries, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. We saw a man who just said yes to the Holy Spirit and we're like, yeah, we'll come say yes to you. Yeah. Smart decision. High five. Oh, yeah. Oh, there we go. Well, last week we said, hey, there's a bunch of questions you guys have asked us and we haven't got to them and we're sorry. Right. So I thought this week we've got some great questions, some questions that made me chuckle and I can't wait to hear your answers. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, they're okay. fantastic questions. So without further ado, this first question is from James. And he says this, my question is about sexy and sexiness. I already like the question. It's already exciting. And I haven't even read it. Like this is probably one of my favorite sexy questions. Sexy and sexiness. A month ago, I went on a date with a girl from church who's pursuing God, and I had a great connection with. She showed up to our date with a short skirt, a revealing shirt, and obviously no bra on. I was very surprised she'd never dressed like that prior to. I was raised in and appreciate modesty. It seems like with the latest fashion trend and what celebrities are wearing, the standard for covering has lowered even in the church. His question is, what would you guys say the standard, quote-unquote, is for modest dress as a Christian man or woman? What is right and wrong in a woman wanting to feel or dress sexy outside of her marriage? I want my future wife to look, feel, dress, and be sexy in our bedroom with the door closed, not in public. Am I being legalistic? I don't think you're being legalistic. I think you're being smart. <laughs> um, I've always said that I, I don't... I don't have clothes that I can't wear to church. And 
um, that was true even before I had three babies. And, you know, when my body looked more, I maybe I could have pulled off those clothes a little bit better. Right. You know, I've never done the midriff thing or, you know, like I would literally, in buying any clothes, even if it was clothes that I just wanted to wear to look nice, to go out with friends or whatever, if I couldn't walk into church in those clothes, I just didn't buy them. Right. Because I guess I didn't, on one level, I'm like, I don't want to have those options. I don't want to cause anybody to stumble. And I want somebody when they meet me to meet me for the right reasons, not because I'm advertising something. Right. Yeah, I could see where that would be shocking slash disappointing. I totally hear what you're saying. And I absolutely agree with you. Modest is hottest. Um, <laughs> but in defense of this girl, who knows what her viewpoint is? Who knows if she's been taught that in right. order to get a guy, you have to look like this? Right. Or if anybody's talked to her about any of this stuff at all. Because again, um, the vast majority of the church isn't talking about sex, isn't talking about sexuality, isn't talking about boundaries and relationship, isn't, you know what I mean? And and so people are left to fend for themselves, as it were. Mm-hmm. And so they're probably going to trend towards whatever what is popular. Yeah. Or what they think is wanted. Right. It's something I didn't understand because I just assumed that all women were just less hairy versions of men. And as in, I thought that you were just wired the same way we were. So men are primarily visually oriented. Like we are turned on by what we see. Right. Women, generally speaking, that's not their primary thing that arouses them. Right. So that means that a lot of women, unless they know a lot about men, honestly don't realize the effect that what they're wearing or not wearing have on other men. Right. So generally speaking, men will spot gappage at 50 paces. Right. And that's, you know, women, that's not your fault at all. It's just the beauty of the way God's made us. And so I think I think if you don't understand the effect that you're, what you're wearing or how your dress can have on other people, then you just may be dressing for a standard that you think is required based on, you know, what the media is telling you or what your friend group, what your peer group are. Right. Um. But it sounds like you, James, are, not that you're wired differently, but you have a value. Like, what she was wearing was communicating something different to you than perhaps she was anticipating. Your question is, what is the standard for modest dress? I don't want to get into what the standard is. You know, we're blessed that there's many women in our community who are brilliant at embracing their womanhood and at the same time remaining incredibly stylish mm-hmm. and yet remain modest. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, we have several uh, women at Grace Center that are, you know, fashion people. They dress people They're and all stylists. that kind of stuff. They're yeah. stylists. They're super trendy. Um, and they dress really, really well. Uh, and they're still dressed modestly. And they, you know what I mean? And they have these amazing jobs dressing, you know, big bands and all that kind of stuff. Because they can clearly dress well, but they can also still uh, right, but dress modestly. I think what we hear is, is either choice to dress sexy or dress modestly. And I don't think that's the case. Like no. These women, though they're dressed modestly, are still beautiful women who are embracing who God's made them to be. They're still feminine. They're still trendy. Absolutely. They're still lovely. They're, yes. Without selling themselves short of something. Right. So I don't, I don't know if I want to say what the standard is, but I think maybe the standard is that you're not causing people to stumble. Not that that's your responsibility, but you can go a long way in, in, in 
helping people. So if if I can see the rhinestone in your belly button, that's probably not appropriate. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Should I stop now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, I don't think you're being legalistic. No, I don't think you are. I can't believe that we're at the end of that. There must be more that we can discuss about sexy or sexiness. Come on. <laughs> well, I do think that sexy and sexiness has a place, you know, in a marriage. Go on. Absolutely. You know, I, I don't have any problem with that at all. Um, Praise God. <laughs> but I, yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't want to dress sexy and then go out and hang around with my coworkers or people I don't, I mean, that's, that's not who that's for. Right. Great point. So... Let's start this podcast. You'll get changed in your <laughs> Princess Leia outfit. I'll get changed in my Han Solo outfit. And uh, Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> Speaking of Han Solo, baby, we're, uh, <laughs> That's we're, my just, code name. we're just a mere 12 days away from Star Wars. Have we booked tickets? I have. Now, tell me again, what is the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek? Oh. I was never... Oh. I'm just kidding. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, I'm selling your ticket. <laughs> you don't get to come no, anymore. No, <laughs> I'm genuinely excited. One of the first movies I ever saw in the movie theater with my dad was Return of the Jedi. Yeah. It was Raiders of the Lost Ark first, and then Return of the Jedi second. Okay. So, yeah, it has a special place in my heart. Absolutely. All right. Second question is from Joseph. Again, this is a fantastic question. He says, firstly, let me say that I switched to an iPhone due to your podcast. Listen, I, I'm just oh, doing the well Lord's done. work. That's well all I'm done, doing. I'm Joseph. just a humble servant of the Lord. <laughs> Secondly, my wife and I are pastors in St. Louis. We got married a little over a year ago. Congratulations. And we've discovered something in our marriage that we are working on that I'd love some advice on. I grew up as an only child while my wife has several siblings and we live in a small one-bedroom apartment. All that being said... <laughs> I'm trying to discover what the balance is in marriage between that desire and myself for a little bit of space now and then and not being selfish about it, which I know is difficult for only children like myself. Is there such a thing as a healthy line in regards to marriage about what I've heard some people call me time? I mean, yeah, I would say you need me time. Everybody needs some level of me time. That could be that if your wife has several siblings and wasn't really able to acquire me time growing up that she has a lower need for that. Right. Um, and maybe that's something uh, for her to discover whether, you know, what her needs are. Um, Alan and I are both introverts and uh, we both need time with no other people in it. Um, <laughs> so I love that description. Yeah. I mean, just, no children, no whatever. I mean, we just need that little bit of time. Now, the truth is with the way our lives look, how busy we are, we have three children, all that kind of stuff. We don't always get the amount of time that we want. Right. And on that kind of stuff, you kind of just have to suck it up and that's what life looks like right now and that kind of stuff. But we also try and help each other get that time when we are able to see each other's distress signals of oh my gosh, if one more person asks me a question, I'm going to start to cry, you mm -hmm. know, kind of thing. So um, I think maybe it'd be good to chat with your wife and, and come up with a, hey, could we start by trying this kind of a scenario? Like, I would love to just get this much space in the morning or whatever time of day works for your schedule for me to have time by myself and then maybe equally make sure that you are 
meeting whatever her need is. Because if she's grown up with siblings, like you say, not that I'm suggesting that you've lied or anything. Liar! <laughs> um, she may have a need for people. So you, right. what you might be encountering is you're saying, I need space. And she's saying, I need the opposite of space. I need connection. So if you can figure out a way to meet her connection, then she can probably figure out a way to give you space. Yeah. The good rule of thumb is if your spouse is crying into their cornflakes first thing in the morning, they probably need some space. Just take that as a distress signal. <laughs> if I'm even eating cornflakes, take that as a distress signal. <laughs> no, but seriously, this, this, of course, being an only child and having many siblings will contribute to it. But probably a more sophisticated way of assessing what's going on is to get your life language profiles taken. Oh, yes. If you haven't already. Yes. Because that will really, really clearly indicate what your needs are. And will also help you understand yourself and help you understand your spouse. And then you can kind of work at it. So, it, you know, although the AJ and I are quite introverted, and by introverted we would mean we get our energy by being on our own. Like yes. we recharge being on our own. We spend our energy with other people. And so it's not that as introverts we don't like other people. Of course we like other people. But AJ's need for other human contact is way higher than mine. But I still need human contact. You know, after about six, seven months of just cave time, I do need to come out <laughs> of hibernation and see other You people. wish. No, no, no. But no, we do realize that you need more human contact than than I do. And yeah. I, of course, I still need human contact. So we've worked out a system of, of what that means. And, and so it works very well at this stage of life. For example, Friday night, the Home Alone thing, you really wanted to go to that. Yes. I didn't because it's been a very, very busy season and I know going out just for those two, three hours would be the most expensive expenditure of my energy. It also means that we need a babysitter. Well, hang on, we can kill two birds with one stone. I can be the babysitter and I can actually just recharge, yeah. which will make me available for other events. It's been a very busy social event. So we look at our week and realize how much energy is going to be expended and then budget our energy needs accordingly. Yeah. And you might need to do that. And life language is, is a very helpful way of doing that. Yeah. All right. Question number three. How many questions do we have? We have four. Okay. All right. Question number three yeah. is from Matteo. Matteo. This morning I was working through Finding Father. Now I've heard of that book. Yes. Wasn't that written by a very hot Canadian? <laughs> Looks a lot like Princess Leia. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so I was working through Finding Father and the journaling component asked me to ask the Holy Spirit what my coming to senses moment was with regard to the prodigal son. So right. in your book, you write about the prodigal son coming to his senses and then making, yeah. making a change of his life. Mm -hmm. And it made me think about a number of things. For instance, I hear countless stories of people who encountered the Lord at some point in their life, only to walk away and then return later on, much like the prodigal son. Was salvation found in the initial encounter or was it found in the return? I guess you're asking if salvation was found, why did he walk away from it? Or right. was a real version of salvation found upon his return? I know salvation is so much more than a moment and a decision, but a process and a relationship, and I never want to discredit grace in the journey. So I guess I'm stuck in the tension between verses such as Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And verses like Philippians 2, 12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. To bring this back to the story of the prodigal son, was his redemption found in his coming to senses moment or was it before that? 
I know this may be a tricky question to answer in generalities because it comes down the heart of each individual, but I thought I'd throw it out there to hear your thoughts. Well, that's a great question, Mateo. Um, e, all of the above. E, all of the above. But in many ways, yes, E, all of the above. Um, you were talking about when somebody gets um, saved and then backslides and then uh, gives their life back to the Lord. You know, which time did they get saved? I'd say both. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I guess when I think about it, I'm, I don't know if this is what you think, babe, but I'm not really a once saved, always saved person. I see. I am. Are you? Yeah, I I totally am. We could talk about this in depth, but tell me what you mean by that. Well, I think if somebody gave their life to the Lord and then decided to walk away and renounce God. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. That's a very precise situation. Yes. So deciding to renounce God, opting out of your salvation, saying, I don't want that anymore. Yeah, or saying, well, I don't really believe that anymore. Yeah, but that's not losing your salvation. That's throwing your salvation deliberately. That's the difference between me losing my keys and deliberately throwing my keys into molten lava. (laughs) Yes. Right, so... Is it possible for one to throw their keys? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Do you, I mean, are you asking, is it possible to get into heaven against your own will? No. But is it possible to, but for I mean, example... I've heard people say, like, once saved, always saved. And so it doesn't even matter. Once they're saved, you know, they can walk away from the Lord and whatever, and at least they've made a commitment. So they're, But I'm like, but would God make you come and spend time with him for eternity when you decided to walk away and say you didn't want to be with him? Uh, Yeah, I think the trouble with these questions is they're very cold and clinical. Right. And I think, you know, if you look at the life of Peter, Peter absolutely denied Christ, not once, not twice, but three times. Yes. And so based on what you're saying, you're like, aha, I'm not going to make you spend eternity with me. But the Lord knew his heart going, oh, sweetheart, I absolutely knew what you wanted to do and I knew what you were able to do and... But he also his he was restored to the Lord before Peter died. No, no, not before sure. Jesus did, obviously. But sure, before, yeah. but my point there is the heart of the Father was to track him down. Yes, the kindness of God led him to repentance. Yeah, and so I don't. I just think it goes against the heart of God. To you know, at what at what point is your backsliding getting you out of the promise of God's redemptive love? Is it stopping going to church? Is it stopping tithing? Is it stopping listening to Christian podcasts? Like, where where's the line where you have not done enough to be saved? I just don't think that that's the way God's word. Now, can I find examples where I'd absolutely agree with people opting out their salvation? Sure, 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 sure. But I think, I mean, anyway, I, I to be to be honest, I haven't given it an enormous amount of thought. I've just, I guess, I just want to wouldn't want to live like a half hearted existence with the Lord because I know I have fire insurance, you know, I, I think, and I wouldn't want to encourage anybody else to live like that either. No, of course. But if you think about the vast majority of your teenage years was spent with fire insurance, like your coming to the Lord was a sincere conversion, Yeah. but through lack of understanding, lack of training, lack of inner healing, lack of good Christian culture, You lived most of your life the way you wanted to, banking on fire insurance. Now, if you yeah. were to die, would the Lord accept you in heaven in that, in that window of your life? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
But I mean, I, I was still, to the best of my ability, pursuing him or what I knew I could find of him right. in the circles that I was in. Okay. So I wasn't, I, I didn't just get saved and then do my own thing. No, no, I get that. Um, I was, you know, going to church every Sunday and I was trying. I just had a, an overwhelming amount of opposition. Right. You know, so I, I, you know, I don't know. I just. Here's the deal. I mean, there's camps, there's Facebook arguments, there's theologians that debate this topic ad nauseum, like enormously. And there's people on both sides of the camp, friends of mine who believe completely different things than I do. And and, and in all honesty, I don't have a well worked out theology. I haven't. No, I mean, I don't either. Much thought to it. Yeah. Because I, I sometimes feel like some of the arguments that people are making is, what's the least I can do and still gets into heaven? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, that's the complete wrong end <laughs> well, of the stick. Don't live like that. <laughs> no, live in total abandonment. Right. Um, so what was Mateo's question? He asked like a thousand questions. But I guess he was saying like, when, when is your salvation happening? I think your salvation, of course, is a continual process there's a coming to the lord and then there's a growing in the revelation mm-hmm. of the lord it happened and it's happening so i got saved when i was seven and then i met the holy spirit when i was in my early 20s my experience with the holy spirit was a much deeper revelation of salvation than it was when i was at seven right but when i was seven i was as sincere as i could have been for a seven-year-old right again it it's not something i've given an enormous amount of thought to past what I instinctively feel, which is terrible, which is why I don't preach on this topic. Mm-hmm. But Me I'm sure either. I could look up, you know, any systematic theology textbook and you could train yourself to argue for either. I think yeah. forget about arguing and devote yourself to Jesus Christ. Yeah. How about that? I like it. Sorry, Matteo, we don't have a thorough answer for that. But I think where you are today isn't the end of your life, unless it is the end of your life. But I think the Lord is knitting a whole narrative, a whole journey. And so where you are today versus where you are tomorrow, God is a God of upgrades. He's constantly wanting to reveal more of himself. He's constantly wanting to grow you toward him. So if you are suddenly taking stock of your life and realizing, actually, God, I'm experiencing less of you than I did last year, then it's probably time to evaluate life because you're you're going the wrong direction. He's a God of upgrades and he's a really good God. Just keep pursuing him. Amen. <laughs> last question for this episode is from Rebecca. She's got a brilliant question. She says, my home group in my church was discussing hearing God's voice, which I know you have a podcast on. The trouble is, I was the only one who believes God actively talks to us. When I pray, especially for long periods of time, I feel like God asks me questions in my subconscious or fills my head with a daydream that answers my question. I don't think it's manifested from myself because often I'm asked by that subtle voice to do acts of love or humble myself in ways my pride usually wouldn't allow me to suggest on my own. So I guess I have two questions. One, am I wrong in believing God talks back to us? Like not just once in a blue moon, but on a weekly basis. And two, I just transferred to this new city for college, and this church I'm going to is new as well. Does it make me a selfish Christian if I want to leave and be part of a church family that believes in prophetic ministry and teaches it and how to hear God's voice and honestly many of the things you guys all teach on? No and no. So question one was, (laughs) am I wrong in believing God talks back to us? No, you're not wrong. You are not wrong. God absolutely is speaking. 
Um, he loves to talk to us. He loves to uh, you know do exactly the kind of things you're talking about, mm-hmm. um, and you know talk to us and inspire us to be better people and and do better things and think better things and you know so y- yes you're you're in the right heading in the right direction and but, but to encourage you Rebecca my most of my Christian upbringing I was raised in a great church with very godly people but they believe the same thing as your church that no God does not speak today I mean he could but primarily he speaks through the Bible no concept that he would speak through dreams or audibly or through your imagination and the greatest surprise of my life was finding that God does speak today. Mm-hmm. If you would like some resources, you would do very, very well to order a copy of Dr. Jack Deere's book, Surprised by the Voice of God. That would really, really be a helpful book for you to read. And two, if you want to learn more about how to hear God's voice, just Google Mark Verkler, Four Keys to Hearing God's Voice, and he's got some excellent teaching on it. So cool. you're not nuts. In my experience, I hear God as often as I choose to listen to him. He's, he's talking all the time. Right. And so your second question was, are you selfish for wanting to shift to a church that will teach you about these things? No. But, I, th- I think that's just wisdom. I, I think you're in a season of your life anyway where you're learning. You've moved to wherever you've moved to for right. college. And you're, you're obviously hungry for more of God. It makes sense to move to a place where you can be fed and encouraged and challenged and grow um, I think that that just makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think let your hunger lead you where you need to go. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, James, Joseph, Mateo, and Rebecca for your questions. I want to wrap up with a very cool thing that I'd love to encourage you all to go to this webpage, watch a video, and then give some money to this project. What project am I talking about? This week, Bill Johnson on Twitter posted a photo of him being filmed for a new documentary about miracles and evidence of said miracles. I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. So I clicked through and I watched this video. So this guy, Elijah Stevens, is tracking down people who have incredible miraculous testimonies and then finding corroborating evidence and filming it all in a documentary. It's featuring a bunch of the people you'd recognize from Charismatic Christianity, so Bill and Roland and Heidi, Randy Clark, Sean Bowles, etc. But also a bunch of doctors, theologians, professors, etc., it sounds like it's going to be an incredible documentary. Wow. I love the video. I'd encourage you to watch it. To whet your appetite, I want to play you the video and you'll hear the audio track. Hi, my name's Elijah, and I'm making a documentary about miracles, but it's going to be different than anything you've ever seen. What I want to do is to talk to some of the brightest minds. I'm going to ask the hard philosophical, scientific, and theological questions. Find the best cases that I can and corroborate them with medical evidence. I'm a radiologist, board-certified radiologist. My name is Dr. Candy Gunther-Brown, and I received my BA, MA, and PhD degrees from Harvard University. It is the burning thing in my heart to reach skeptics, and everyone has given up on me. And today, charismatics say no one can reach the intellectuals, and I don't believe it. She went to one of the experts in the United States, and here's here's what the doctor uh, says in his report. I'm at a loss to explain why exactly this has occurred, which is pretty interesting for the expert. If God is healing all these people, there should be a trail of medical evidence and that's what I'm going to find. I've also seen medical records that corroborate 
the, the, the basic facts of those testimonies. There's quite a number of things that I could give. Power to heal and the authority to deliver cause people to believe the gospel. The Bible is living and active and powerful and the Holy Spirit backs it up. One day I was at my house and I started receiving texts from all of my friends saying Sean Boltz, a prophetic minister, had called my name out at church. So I drive to my church and he tells me my name, my birth date, that I lived in Chattanooga, grew up in Georgia. And he says, God has commissioned you, go make this film. It's gonna be a new prototype for ministry and touch lots of doctors' lives. I heard the Lord speak to me in my left ear again, and he, the same way he spoke to Darren Wilson, he said, make the film. And I hear the Lord saying over you to make the film. Yeah, I'm, I'm making a documentary on miracles with medical evidence before and after. And I thought, Jesus loves the scientist. You know, God the Father loves the scientist, so let's let them come and test. Jesus cares. Jesus loves the scientist. He's alive, and he works miracles right now, today. So Kickstarter lasts for 30 days, and it's a do or die type thing. Either I reach my goal and you get the rewards, or I don't, you're not charged, but we don't make the film. And so I am asking the body of Christ to partner with me and what God's doing. And so please help me make this a reality. So that was pretty awesome, right? Yeah, that was awesome. I'm I can't wait for them to actually release that. Right. And so here's the thing. He's almost at his goal of $116,500. I think he's just over 112,000 right now, but I would imagine he's probably under budgeted. Right. So I think it would be awesome if we all went online and we pushed him way over what he's trying to raise. He's got l- about a week left, I think, before his Kickstarter runs out. But I, I would love it if we could just throw some money towards that and make this documentary a reality. I think it would be so helpful uh, for all of us if we could have a video, if we could have a really well-made documentary to show our skeptic friends or to even to use teaching. And I think it would do a great job in building the kingdom of God. Um, lastly, we mentioned that RT was with us this week teaching at the school. Yeah. If you would like to hear RT, he's actually going to be teaching at Grace Center this Sunday. So if you're in the Nashville Franklin area, you don't have a church you call home, come out. If you can't make it to Nashville, you can watch online at gracecenter.us. Uh, and then we have a watch live button in the top right hand corner. And if you'd like us to answer any of your questions, go to alanaj.com slash ask. And finally, if you want the show notes, Go to alanandaj.com slash 80. Have an amazing week, and we'll be with you next week. Yes, I'm. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. If you are a human being 
There's something here for everyone